Hi, everyone. This is Todd Fields. Welcome to the Worship Circle Podcast, episode 35. Before you do anything, I have to tell you this. This podcast is going to come out literally the day of or the day before our rest retreat registration. And you do not want to miss out on this. If you've heard about it, you've heard about it, you know. If you haven't, you want to be there. All of our coaches are going to be gathered with you. And we only let about 250 people in. There's only room for that. But Monday, July 29th at 2 p.m. Eastern. So if this airs on Monday morning, get ready. Go ahead and make a note. If it airs Sunday night, get ready. You're going to want to register right when the gate opens because it's going to fill up fast. But all of our mentors, all of our coaches are going to be there. You know who they are. If you don't, go to worshipcircle.com and you can see all of us on there time of worship, time of rest, refueling, teaching, community. It's life-changing, it's ministry-changing, and you also uh, invite, we invite you to bring your spouse. That's a huge deal to us because oftentimes we get separated in ministry. One person's at home, one person's at a retreat, and we don't get to experience the same thing together. So we're going to have community group for your spouse. If you bring them, we're going to have community group for you. Great time of worship. Do it now. Make a note. Get in when the registration window opens. It's going to fill up fast. This is episode 35. We've also got a bunch of other great things coming down the pike. We've got a summit coming up, which is a taster of Worship Circle, where you can jump in online toward the end of August. Stay tuned for that date. We'll uh, get that out on social media and on the next podcast. Also, next term starts in October. You can sign up at worshipcircle.com forward slash program. God's doing amazing things in our small groups. We're learning so much, and we're praying for each other, these worship leaders from eight different countries all around the world. We'd love to have you be a part. Well, guys, today I love um, the guests we have. I love all of our guests, but this man in particular, Reggie Campbell, was a friend to me in a transitional season of my life where I um, felt like God was doing something new and stirring something in me. And he actually was one of the key players in Worship Circle even beginning. I'll never forget us going into a whiteboard room and drawing up this thing, praying about it, and gathering the right people um, just to pray and seek God for what he wanted for his sons and daughters who lead worship, and that's you. And now you're hearing this because of all that God did through that vision. Reggie Campbell is the uh, head of Radical Mentoring. You're going to hear more about that in the interview, but it's an amazing small group ministry to guys. I've not seen anything like it. It's really a lot of what we do in Worship Circle came from Reggie's pioneering, um, and it's really just the Jesus model, but there's so many things they do that are key ingredients to make uh, the mentoring process sticky and last for the men who are in these uh, small groups. And if you're a woman, you're going to get something out of this too, because we all need to be in small groups, whether it's female or male. But we love you guys. Thanks for listening today. And I hope you're encouraged and inspired by Reggie's story. He's done a lot of things in his lifetime and is just continuing to keep his eyes focused on Jesus, even in a season right now where he's dealing with cancer. So we'd love for you to listen in and just be inspired and move to know how much God loves you by listening to this interview. Here's Reggie. Hey, everybody. It's an honor for me to sit down with a longtime friend of mine and someone who, without Worship Circle, would not exist because Reggie Campbell has been a dear friend, mentor, encourager, um, and just brother in the faith. 
um, uh, probably for the last eight years of my life. But before that, we were at North Point Community Church together, and I've known him then. But Reggie is an entrepreneur, author, and mentor. He's been involved in founding 15 companies, serving as CEO four times. He's written four books about my father's business, Mentor Like Jesus, What Radical Husbands Do, and his most recent, which I love to read daily, is Radical Wisdom. Uh, but Reggie's passion and calling is mentoring younger men to become all-in Jesus followers. He's currently leading his 18th mentoring group and has now personally invested in 140 men indirectly in their marriages and families. And he has a ministry now called Radical Mentoring that is growing and thriving, guys, literally around the country. So that's long, but Reggie, welcome. Stop it. Stop it, will you? <laughs> Stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? You've done a lot, man. I'm old. No, you're not old. We're all uh, we're all creeping up there. But hey, thanks for sitting down with us. I wanted just to ask you some questions. I think a lot of the things you've learned along your journey can help a lot of our listeners today. But give us some background about where you grew up, what family life was like you in the for you in the early days. And uh, Todd, I grew up in Spartanburg, South Carolina, South Carolinian. Is- it was the center of the textile industry at the time. It's now the, it's the site of the BMW plant. Right. So yeah, if you drive a, a BMW X of any kind, it's okay. made there. Um, <clears throat> my parents were both um, uh, uneducated people. Um, they were Christians, uh, very faithful to the church. And I was taken to church every time the door was opened. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I uh, it didn't. It was more like a vaccination than an infection. <laughs> and so. Uh, as I grew up, I went through college and and I got married and started my career. I I believed in Jesus, but I didn't really know Him. Mm. And um, my wife, uh, we we're coming up on fifty years of marriage. I met in college, and uh, she was uh, followed me as we moved around all over the southeast. And then uh, we kept getting further and further apart. And uh, in September of uh, my thirty third year, she said, "I don't know you anymore." And uh, wow. um, so she gave me a few days to think about life, and that's when I surrendered to Christ. And and Todd, it's it's friends have told me that I had one of the most radical transformations that they've ever seen because uh, in that crucible, uh, God just birthed a heart of gratitude. Yeah, and I've lived my life for the last thirty six years just so grateful He gave me uh, another chance with Miriam. Um, my, mm. my kids became uh, Jesus followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he blessed the business stuff that I've been involved in, and and then uh, ministry things that I got involved in. He blessed those, and so I sit here at sixty nine years old, a very very grateful man. I think that's sort of the theme of my life. I'm I'm intentional and I'm grateful. That's so good. What what was going on? Because I know you worked for AT and T. Started. It says you're a CEO for four companies. <laughs> You've done a lot in the business world. Yes. What um, did you just have a knack for that early on as a kid, or was it something that I was selling newspapers up and down the street? I'd buy them for a nickel and sell them for twenty cents when I was nine years old. Wow! Um, I lied about my age to get a paper route when I was twelve. <laughs> um, in South Carolina, you could drive at age fourteen. Oh wow! So I had my driver's license at fourteen and had my bought my own car the day I turned fourteen mm. with money I'd saved for my paper route. So, um, and it goes back to the dynamic with my dad. My dad uh, recognized me for making money. I didn't seem to matter to him in so many ways, but when I made money, I got 
praise. Wow. So that set me on this course of I'm going to matter to him. And um, the the currency was to make money be successful. So that yeah. set my uh, my achievement motivation towards achievement and accomplishment. And that's really where I, the God that I worshiped for the first 33 years of my life. Before you had this encounter that, you know, you said at 33 where you and Miriam had this impasse really, and she like you need to get your stuff together what was life like in the home front for you were you balancing business and family or were you just all guns ablaze and focused on business you know i think you'd say it was normal yeah and particularly compared to people these days it was it was normal i was home at, at night when i didn't travel i was at all my kids performances and games and stuff like that yeah Uh, i just uh, as carl sandberg's poem said i was an I was like a soldier's sleeve with an arm gone. Yeah. I was physically there, but emotionally not connected, not engaged. I was always thinking about the next thing I had to do at work and how I could make this next presentation better and how I could make my numbers and all that kind of thing. And that sounds familiar to me. <laughs> um, and probably a lot of our listeners, especially the guys that, mm-hmm. you know, are the, the chief provider in the home, their wife stays at home with the kids and helps out and, uh, maybe has a side business or something going on. But I think especially now cell phones didn't exist back then, but now it's like, it's really hard to turn it off. Oh, if, if we'd had cell phones in those days, I would not be married. I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be in jail someplace Yeah, because I would have, I would have been so addicted that I would have been on it. I'd been like the guys you see at the ballpark, their kids are out there playing ball and, and they're over there on their cell phones, just jacking away. And that would have been me. What do you, what did you, hear God say or sense God saying in that pivotal moment for you when Miriam was like, Hey, you got to figure this out. Or he said, I love you, Reggie. (laughs) He said, I love you. And, uh, what I learned in that, in that night was that I had a heavenly father Mm. who loved me and it wasn't conditional. And, uh, and subsequently it that that relationship with God as my heavenly Father helped me put my earthly father in perspective. Mm. Um, I actually fired him. I didn't tell him. <laughs> you fired your dad, <laughs> but I fired my dad. Um, yeah. I, I just released him of all expectations. I forgave him for everything he did and didn't do, and pushed the reset button. And the last five years of his life, I was his best friend, but not because I was trying to pay him back for being a great dad. It was yeah. because he was a nice old man. He did the very best he could, and he had really advanced the ball significantly from way the way he was raised. Right, and I didn't realize that until you know. It really, uh, after he was gone, I talked to one of his sisters, yeah, and realized just what a messed up family he came from. So it was really the the the, the recognizing how much my heavenly Father loves me. And Todd, I don't want to preach here, but in the last week. As I've done my mentoring group retreat last weekend and listened to eight guys who want to quote go all in, who want to trust God, mm-hmm. who want stronger faith, you know what's missing? You know what's at the top of that pyramid is grasping that God loves you. And I feel like we just gloss over that like the sunshine falls from the sky. God <laughs> loves me. God loves everybody. Yeah. But, you know, God knows my name. Yeah. He knew me before he formed me. He he knows the number of days that I'm going to live. He's got a place for me. Yeah. When it's all over here. And, and, and all along the way, he never leaves me. I mean, if we could get 
people to focus on and yeah. grasp and engage with his love. Well, one morning I was praying, I said, Jesus, I love you so much. And I called myself and I started laughing because <laughs> I could almost see the smile on God's face. It's like, this is the first time you've prayed in three days and you're going to tell me how much you love me. Maybe you should think about just saying, thank you for loving me because oh, that's wow. really the right thing. It's yeah. just, thank you for loving me, even yeah. when I'm not demonstrating my love for you. So I think that's the secret sauce to this. As deal. you talk, Reggie, um, some people who listen to the podcast have heard my story, but you played a just, a, you were part of a defining moment in my life. And I'll never forget getting an email from you that said, hey, can you help find somebody to lead worship at a men's gathering I'm doing? <laughs> a retreat in North Georgia. And I was like trying to find people, but then it, it, I was like, man, I'd like to do it. I wonder if he'd be like, <laughs> so I was like, what if I do it? And you're like, sure. But it was at that retreat, um, just in in some really sacred moments for me that I heard and experienced God saying, I love you, Todd, for the first time in my life. It had been in my head, mm-hmm. and I'd been on stage leading people to sing the praises of this great God. But the, the other piece of this that's huge is that when we sat down for worship circle and we're praying over, Lord, what's what's the purpose of this thing? Mm-hmm. And I and it's it, Carrie was sitting. My wife was sitting right there, and I just said, "I want leaders everywhere to know they're loved and not alone." And you're talking. It's so crazy that we're sitting here because your story and God saying "I love you" to you was something you experienced that you passed on to me. Mm. And God, now there's so many worship leaders and people in ministry that are hearing what, like, what I always thought God loved me, but it's different when you get to a place where you. You're like, Lord, I, I honestly don't have anything. Yeah. What do you say about me? <laughs> yeah. In, in folks in ministry, um, worship leaders, pastors, staff guys, uh, preachers, so many just have so much pressure to be theologically um, understanding and theologically square, which nobody can argue with that. Yeah. But to have a theological understanding of our Father is like a whole different thing from having a personal understanding, a personal relationship, a two-way communications channel, empathy for uh, knowing His empathy for you and and, and having understanding that you're not going to get your way from your dad every time you ask for it. And so just to move from that theological relationship with him to a, a mm. real personal relationship, uh, it's it's the difference in night and day. Man, well, thank you just for sharing that story. And I hope everybody listening just realizes how much they're loved by God and sets aside the time to be still. And you've, I remember on the retreat, you talked about just journaling in the morning, meeting with the Lord and asking this question. What's the question you ask that... Lord, what would you have me know today? Yeah. And I, I could show you my journal right now, and the vast majority of times, the first thing that goes down on the right-hand column is, I love you, Reggie. <laughs> and and I, it's so normal for me. It's like easy to take that for granted. And then you just go, wait a minute. The creator of the universe, <laughs> the yeah. God of heaven and earth, yeah, just told me he loves me. Yeah. He called me by my name and said, he loves me. And that's 
many days, that's all I have and that's all I need. It's like, <laughs> go you therefore, because yeah. he loves me. And uh, oh. that's, that's just amazing, really amazing. How, um, so mentoring, the whole idea of passing on, um, I'll tell the story because it's, it's comical in light of the fact we're sitting here now, but Reggie sent me an email years ago when I was first starting at North Point and he was inviting guys to be in a mentoring group. And I, I, I was either too busy, too oblivious or too in the middle of having kids, whatever excuses I want to give, but (laughs) I just didn't, I didn't follow up. And it's like years later, you're still blowing and going and you've, you've just, you've been pouring into guys for so long. What, what happened in your life that that made you want to start doing that? Well, as I said, the 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 thing that was birthed in my heart um, when I when I surrendered to Christ and grasped how much He loved me was this heart of gratitude. And mm-hmm. when I realized how much He loved me, I wanted other people to grasp that. Yeah. And so we were brand new to Atlanta. We had just uh, connected with a, a startup church here called Johnson Ferry Baptist Church. And um, we met with a senior pastor after and he came to visit after we had signed the visitor card. You remember <laughs> those uh, those things? And um, he said, well, you know, you guys want to get involved. We don't have anybody to work with single people. And we were uh, 33 years old. We had young kids, but you know, we were a couple of stages of life ahead with them. So we started doing a singles group and teaching, <clears throat> teaching a class. Uh, and there were seven the first Sunday, and it grew, you know, to 70 or whatever over the course of the next few years. But I was always available to younger guys, yeah. you know, and, and, and they would say, hey, can we get a cup of coffee sometime this week? Or, you know, can I give you a call? And it was sort of issue of the day stuff. It was, it was uh, she won't date me, or I hate my job, <laughs> or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so really for about 15 years— um, without any intentionality, uh, I was just practiced the ministry of availability. I was a little further along the road than these guys were. Mm-hmm. They were single. They saw me with a some success going on a career and a pretty wife, and you know, so they wanted a pretty wife too. And uh, so they began to call me their mentor, and uh, mm-hmm. that's really where it started. And you participated in the retreat that we had. When we tried to get um, individual men at North Point to mentor younger men, right, and uh, did it failed miserably. Um, yeah. You just it was like arranging marriages. Yeah, and um, people like you, you know, it's like I don't know what this is. I don't know what the commitment is. I don't know how long it goes. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. So um, after that, there was a guy spoke at that um, retreat named Tim Elmore, mm-hmm. a, a dear friend to this day, and and growing in influence, I think, all over the country. But Tim said this, more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. That's so powerful. And that changed my life. And uh, that's when I came back and I went through the books I'd read and the scriptures that I had marked in my Bible and some of the things I'd learned in doing exercises to improve marriage and prepare people for marriage and Mm. uh, stuff like that. And uh, so that's when I I, uh, invited guys to apply for the first group, which was in 2001 and um, finished that group in a year and I had more guys lined up for the next year and I had them apply and I did another group and so now I'm this I just launched my 19th group uh, we did our story retreat last weekend so it's been 
an amazing ride for me personally. Well, I was able to lead um, a radical mentoring LDG group at North Point, And after even experiencing the retreat, but to be with these guys and their families for the year that we were together, almost a year, um, it changed my life. Just so thank you. But also I think the things I learned in that is what, or a lot of them are what we carry into worship circle. Just the, the beauty of taking your mask off, mm-hmm. having a safe place to be known and loved, um, and finding out that there are people that will love you even if you're not perfect. <laughs> Imagine that. That's a big aha, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, what's broken in relationship only gets healed in relationship. Mm. And we don't promulgate that in traditional church world or even in, you know, yeah. um, new church world. But the idea of getting in community with people who are like, at least like-minded, mm-hmm. uh, but preferably like-hearted. Mm-hmm. You know, like-minded people think alike, but like-hearted people want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you get in a group of people who want the same thing and you start sharpening each other and challenging each other and more than anything else, just loving each other yeah, and learning together, it's just something um, amazing happens. Yeah. What are some of the books? I know you've recommended through the years, you know, a lot of different books for guys um, that you've, you know, led in small group. But just thinking now, I know they're an important piece of, of there's so many great ones, but what are some for you that were, were cha- life changers for you, game changers? Well, the first book that we use uh, to start a group is a book called Bo's Cafe. Yeah. And uh, it's written by John Lynch, Bill Thrall, and mm-hmm. Bruce McNichol, uh, from guys from down in Phoenix. And it's a novel, which most of us haven't read books much. Um, some guys in my groups haven't read a book since yeah. college. Yeah, we're not readers. So it's a novel. It gets them started, and it's 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 fundamentally a story of a guy who is um, really just breaking everything down with his wife. He's, his marriage is headed for the rocks, mm-hmm. and he's proud. He's he's worshiping at the at the altar of career. And he is befriended by a guy who is an older guy who just shows up in his life and wins his confidence and somehow he starts to sense that this guy loves him. And mm-hmm. so when things blow up, he's there. And ultimately, he takes into this community of people who have all these horrible stories and all this trash in their background. But for some unknown reason, they love each other more mm not less for all the trash, all the junk in their, in their trunks. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and so the book paints a beautiful picture of what community really yeah. should be with people who are not just transparent, like, you know, all my dirty stuff, right? but vulnerable, like, you know, my dirty stuff, but you are helping me yeah. to, to move forward in my faith, to move forward in my marriage. So that's the first book. It's an easy read, but we really like that book, a book called The Cure. Uh, we love that book as well because it talks about identity. Mm-hmm. And um vast majority of our issues um, have to do with identity. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's trying to figure out who we are. Yeah. And all identity is ascribed. Yeah. And so when you start living into the identity that the world ascribes to you or that your boss ascribes to you or that your dad ascribed to you, 
or your ex-wife ascribed to you, then that's a futile path. But when you realize that the identity ascribed by your heavenly father is adopted, adored, loved son, loved daughter, Mm -hmm. it's a game changer. That's what happened with me. Yeah. Um, Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. We love that book. Yeah. It talks a lot about the narrative, the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. We love that. We use an Andy Stanley book on character, Mm -hmm. uh, which is is really good. We're we're still uh, working through different prayer books, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of of, uh, places you say, well, I really, I want to teach my guys to learn how to listen to God. Yeah. That draws a lot of hackles because some folks struggle with the idea that God actually speaks to us individually beyond just what scripture says. Right. So there's multiple choices of books there. I still, I, I, I uh, picked that book based on the courage level I'm feeling at the time (laughs) and the spiritual maturity of the guys in the group. You guys do a covenant. Yes. And I want, I just, God brought that to my mind because, um, you know, for those of us who lead small groups and sometimes even in worship circle, it's like, man, I hope everybody shows up today. Mm-hmm. And if even one person is missing, the dynamic of the group changes. So how did you, why did you guys, is it, how did you guys come to that? Is, has that always been part of the mentoring process of small groups for you? Yes. Here, here's, here's where it came from. And I'm not really proud of this. It's just, <laughs> it's just the truth. Um, as you mentioned, I've had some business success. I've run some fairly big organizations, 1,500 employees, you know, 22 city operations, whatever. I've had meetings when I couldn't get people that I pay to show up. <laughs> yeah. And then I have been exhausted by a lifetime of church with you know, the, the preacher at the pulpit with his bulletin going over all the things that everybody's yeah. invited to. Begging and pleading, you know. I did a, a, a Sunday school class one time that I had worked so hard to prepare. You know, there's like three people there. And so when I started doing these mentoring groups, I said, you know, these guys are going to come to my house. I'm going to I'm gonna build my schedule around this thing for a year. They're going to they're gonna show up. Mm. And they're just going to, that's the deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not going to prepare and do all this stuff and have people not show up. Mm. And so it was selfishly motivated. And so I just wrote this covenant thing up and, um, and, and, and it's, it includes things like uh, you'll show up for every meeting. You will do your homework. And mm-hmm. I came up with some visible ways that you, you can't hide, you know, like yeah. every book you read, you have to write a one page net out. Yeah, and you have to bring physical copies and pass them out to everybody. <laughs> um, the scriptures you actually quote them out loud by keyword. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a, a high level of accountability without calling it accountability, and and, and so I, I wrote that as part of the covenant. I, I wanted to make sure people knew this is not mentoring, so you can become better in skills. Mm-hmm. The thing I love about worship circle it does both. It's mm-hmm. both helping a leader grow in their leadership ability yeah. and in their skills, but also in, in who they are, they are in Christ and right. in there in the, that spirit man, spirit woman inside. Um, so I wanted it to be about Jesus and I made that very um, unequivocally clear. There's a covenant statement that says you are, will be willing to take direct unfiltered feedback. 
Mm-hmm. If you if you don't want to get better, then you better not sign up because <laughs> we're going to hold a mirror up to you mm-hmm. and let you see what you're holding back, where you're lying to yourself as best we can discern that. Uh, it's confidential. You know, you don't, you know, the, the, the churchy uh, way to package gossip is, oh, tell me all about that so I can pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> Bless their heart. Yeah, bless their heart. (laughs) So in this deal, everything is confidential. What's said in the group stays in the group. And I guess guess the big big one was in the covenant says, I will pay it forward. Mm. If you've poured your cup into me for this period of time, then I am making a covenant commitment that I will pour my cup into others uh, as the Lord opens that door and shows me when and where to do that. So that's how it came, and, and it's gone it it continues to be a, a pivotal uh, yeah. cornerstone of of the whole radical mentoring process in all 270 churches that are doing it Amazing. all over the country. And you have their wives sign it too, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We have the wives need to know what they're getting into or what their husbands are getting into. Yeah. Because here's here's Joe who's always been sitting there, you know, talking to her while she's crocheting, right? This is <laughs> this is this is 2019. And now Joe's got to be reading a book. So there's a little bit of sacrifice on her part yeah. for Joe to become a better man, better husband. So yeah. we want the wives to be aware of what's being committed. What's your hope for the guys that leave your group? Like, what do you? What's the main thing you hope they take away? I want them to grasp that that Jesus is not a priority in their life. He is their life. Mm. That He is living in in me. Uh, in you is yeah. what makes life, and <clears throat> I think when he, when they embody Jesus, they have impact. Whatever they're doing, whether they're preaching, leading worship, leading a company, mm-hmm. uh, selling newspapers, whatever they're doing with Jesus in them, they are um, they're they're expanding the kingdom. I, I heard this story today, um, blew me away. This. Um, this couple taking their son to college, they stopped at an IHOP uh, somewhere in Tennessee on their way to take this the, their boy to college. And this this uh, African-American guy is sweeping the floor, and he comes over, and the, the there was nobody else to seat him. He takes him over and seats him. And he says, um, before I get y'all's drinks, can I ask you a question? Um, and he looks at the, the, the mom, and he says, are you, how are you? And the mom says, well, I'm okay. And he says, no, really, how are you? And she said, you really want to know? And he said, yeah. She said, well, I'm, I'm taking my firstborn son to college today. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous about it. And he said, I don't want to be really weird or anything, but would, would it be okay if I prayed over y'all? <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy with a broom and an IHOP, okay? Yeah. And he prays this prayer over them. They're all weeping by the time he gets through. Unbelievable. And then he just says, thank you. He says, I'm I'm the general manager here. Let me go get you some water and coffee. I'm like, what an amazing, amazing story. That's Jesus living in that man, mm-hmm. obeying the unction of the Spirit to, to, to take a step of courage. So that's what I want for every guy that goes through my. I, mm-hmm. want, I want them to be the living presence of Jesus to be active in them. I want them to experience the supernatural, and I want them to be uh, 
intentional about paying that forward into the lives of other people. Um, what would you say to the guys that are out there that need to be mentoring and aren't to, to at least get them to even open up to the idea? <laughs> well, there's two reasons that men don't mentor. Um, at least two. There's multiple. multiple. Uh, number one is they don't know what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly guys in my season of life, it's like, I don't want to raise any more kids. I, I, I got through that. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what the commitment is. I don't, right. I don't know how, how to do it. Um, and, and, and so what's, what's involved with it. And I don't, the, the biggest one is I just don't feel like I'm any good at it. I don't really feel like I'm any good. I don't feel like I have what it takes, yeah. but I believe that's absolutely the devil's lie. Um, there's an old African proverb that says, when an old man dies, a library burns to the ground. Wow. Every man has meaningful stories and experiences. And if he's walked with Jesus for a significant part of his life, he's got a rich heritage and mm-hmm. history that he can share with younger men. Now, I, I don't give advice. I, I try to never give advice to a mentee because then I'm responsible. <laughs> what I try to do is ask yeah. questions. And then point them to scripture. Wow. And anybody can ask questions if they think, they think about it. And yeah. Google will point you to the right scripture if you just yeah. put in the key word. So I, I think we just got to get over ourselves, get over our false sense of pride or our false sense of humility, whichever, and just engage. Just mm. um, start to, to look around. And, you know, Jesus, when he prayed the disciples' prayer, he said, thank you for Father, for these men you have given me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think there are people around men, and notwithstanding the church context and radical mentoring, but right. there are men in our lives that are hungry mm-hmm. to have an older, wiser man connect with them and yeah. pour into them. Uh, you know what the number one reason that older men reach out to younger men, you know what that number one reason is for? What? Can you help me get my phone to work? Can you help <laughs> oh, me? I'm running out of memory on my laptop. Oh my that's goodness. why we that's why fifty year olds reach out to thirty year olds. What's the uh is there an average age of, of guys or I mean women are listening to, but an age in someone's life where they begin to want to seek out wisdom or a mentor? Because I, I, I'm picturing, you know, we've got guys listening that need to be mentoring, but then we've got guys and ladies listening that they're thinking about worship circle and they're like, I don't, that's scary. Like, why do I need that? Why, why well, do I, I need to be? <laughs> it's, this may sound a little cynical, but Jesus told the story. So I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Talk to him about it. Not me. Yeah. But he, he had this really cruel sounding thing about to those who have more will be given. And, and I think the the people that I want to mentor are the people who are hungry. Yeah. And so if I've if I've if I talk someone into pursuing a mentor, yeah, it's going to be a, a slow slow waltz yeah. with not happy results. Oh yeah. So I I want to find the people who are hungry and yeah. energized and are willing to learn and yeah in in. So that's my my number one criteria. A willingness to learn is a big deal. Yes. Um it it really is a sign of humility. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. 
because I, I know the guys that I've walked with in worship leading, just mentoring, it's when I sit across the table at, for coffee with a guy who asks questions mm-hmm. and is hungry to learn, it's like, man, you're going to, you're going to do great. Well, I think women actually have uh, an easier time of building I trust relationships with each other, um, mentor-mentee relationships. Mm-hmm. The, the, the challenge for women is finding women who are um, that add value, right. you know, being able to select those relationships and feed the relationships with, with women who are um, further ahead spiritually, life maturity, whatever, not just peers or even worse, people who are less mature, who can actually pull them back and not help propel them forward. That's what I love about Worship Circle is that you have these vetted, uh, spiritually mature women Mm -hmm. who can connect with these, you know, quote unquote, uh, younger women who are maybe less mature professionally, maybe spiritually, who knows, but uh, it's such a beautiful setup to connect people. And it's really hard to do just without some mechanism uh, like a worship circle to connect older, more mature women with younger um, women who they can help. Yeah. Uh, We talked about this a little bit earlier, Reggie, but I know you've been involved. And I wanted to jump here just really quick because I think it can help some people. But um, I know you've been quite entrepreneurial in your lifetime and you've worked, you've walked alongside a lot of people that have had ideas or started businesses, that kind of thing. Um, we did a podcast called side hustle mm-hmm. and you're a guy who's in your small group. Now, Casey Graham was on and the, the purpose of it really was just to get those of us who are working on a staff or in ministry world, thinking about extra sources of income that might not interfere with what they're doing at all in their church, but in their spare time, what they could do. Any advice on that front with people that aren't thinking about doing anything else or have an idea and like, I don't even know where to begin, like any rules of thumb or things you've learned from surrounding yourself with, you know. I'd be very careful about embracing someone's someone else's idea yeah. for your extracurricular activity. Right. Because there's usually, um, there's usually something to gain for them in that. And I don't mean to be cynical there. Yeah. I, the the best cases I've seen are where people have a core competence. Right. You know, if you're a keyboard artist and you're an awesome keyboard artist, mm-hmm. then going out and and doing doing contract work or teaching or you know what whatever. Yeah. But but building from your core competency. That's good. To do something is the best. Uh, you know, buying into someone else's dream franchises. You know, all <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. You've seen it all. Oh, I've seen a lot of that. It's not. <laughs> Snake oil. Not, yeah, not really all that good. So you're saying start with who you already are and the yeah. gifting you already have and just start getting creative with, with thoughts of ways to leverage those yes. with outside hours um, in ways that could potentially help. Yeah, and don't do it alone. Um, find someone that that has a business sense mm-hmm. and... Um, that, that loves you, that you can trust. They don't have to be Entrepreneur of the Year. They just need to be somebody with a good, solid head yeah. on their shoulders and bounce it off of them, get their input, set some checkpoints. Say, can I come back and talk to you in 30 days and let's just see how this is going? Uh, we we lie to ourselves when we're all alone. Yeah. And we can waste a ton of money and time trying to do something 
that you'll turn around and here's a guy that you, you say, let me show you what I've been doing. And he says, oh, but did you think about the fact that that's illegal? Or yeah. <laughs> did you think about the fact that there's a license uh, restriction on, you know, just things that you don't think about because you're so passionate about leveraging what you yeah. want to do. And so I uh, don't do it alone. I, I tell everybody who starts a business, get a board. Yep. I'll always have a board, have some a group of outside people that look over your shoulder and encourage yeah. you and challenge you. Well, I brought that up because you, after I went on that radical mentoring retreat, I'll never forget. We met for coffee after that. And it was almost like we looked at each other and it was bigger than both of us, but it was like, <laughs> I get it. I'm, and then he said like, I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to help. What do you need? And it was a pivotal point in my life and career of just going, you know, I've served at a great church, North Point, all these years. I've learned all this stuff, but God, now what? What do I do with this? And I'll never forget you and a, a few other men got in a room at Rome, this office place here in Atlanta, and we got a whiteboard. The whiteboard was there, and you started drawing stuff up, and Carrie was there. And <laughs> this thing would not exist if had it not been for your uh, input and just mentoring. So thank you. I, mean, I can mess up a lot of people's lives, man. <laughs> <laughs> With a whiteboard. <laughs> I'm like the cross-eyed discus thrower, Todd. I'm I'm not going to break any records, but I keep everybody's attention. <laughs> well, I love what you said about a board. I had a guy talking to me the other day, and he's trying to figure out you know, seasons of life and what to do next. And a lot mm-hmm. of guys listening don't think that, man, there's so much wisdom in counsel. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take but two or three men that are further down the road that are following Jesus just to sit with you and bounce stuff off of them. Yeah. There's three questions everybody wants answered. You know, when you ask, when you think about somebody like that, does he know what he's talking about? Can I trust him? And does he care about me? Wow. I want my mentor no. to, to answer all three of those questions. That's good. If I got those three questions answered, let's roll. Yep. So some years ago, I don't even know the number now, but you were, you had been dealing with some stuff in your lung, lungs, and then that progressed, and then all of a sudden I hear from you, Todd, I need a lung transplant, and it was like, <laughs> what is that? How does what's going on, man? You had an oxygen thing you were carrying around, and yeah, that was, was how many years ago now? Three and a half years, almost okay. four. Before years in November, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I I started having shortness of breath on exercise when I was in my forties mm-hmm. and um, was held at bay for a long time with uh, prednisone and, yep. and uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, it finally got so bad in uh, a few years ago that I was put on the transplant list at Emory and yep. for some crazy reason, I got a, a new left lung and have been, have been doing well with that. The bad news is that that um, requires suppressing your immune system. Right. Which has led to a plethora of skin cancers. And yeah. uh, about a year and a half ago, one of those popped up that was really wicked. It was uh, something I'd never heard of before. That's actually worse than melanoma. Mm. And so, uh, unfortunately, that popped up and has been a nemesis for the last year and a half. I've been through uh, radiation therapy and two surgeries, and now I'm in another radiation uh, regime. So, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the, the lung is doing fine. It's, <laughs> it's the, the rest of the it. rest of my body is in trouble. What are you? Um, what are you sensing just with the Lord and faith and all that as you walk through this? Is it head down treatment, treatment, treatment? And you sense His presence in that? Are you? I mean, I, I, oh, I sense His presence, uh, and and there's so many people praying for me. It's yeah. uh, 
it's so humbling to to see the the notes on the Karen Ridge page and and um, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is um you know nobody beats cancer. Yeah, I think what you do is you obey, uh, you obey God and you obey the medical professionals. And so your choice, you're not going to beat cancer. What you do is you say, I will either stay in the game or I'll quit. Yeah. And with a lung transplant, I said, I'm going to do what they tell me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a doctor. I, I have no, no background or training in this. And same here. You know, they said, take these 38 radiation treatments Yeah. and then we'll scan you every quarter. And so I'm taking 30 radiation treatments and I'm going to, I only have a couple of commitments. One is I'm my, I'm going to continue to do what I do mm-hmm. until I breathe my last. <laughs> and um, I, I ask God, Lord, please let death overtake me from behind. I want to be running hard for him, with him, wow. living through him. And um uh, you know, Dallas Willard's uh, death really impacted John Ortberg, and he he said it was like he walked from one room into another room. Yeah, and I, that's the way I I see it. Is, yeah. is I believe that that we never stop living. I think <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna just move from one room to another room, and we're yeah. gonna be seeing. I mean, we're he says in his <laughs> book, he says, you know, if. If you don't like spending time with God, then heaven may not be for you <laughs> because you're going to be in his presence 24-7, yeah. 365, infinity. Yeah. And so the idea of being in his presence all the time is just crazy. I just mm-hmm. love thinking about what all that can mean. I don't understand it. I have no vision for it. Yeah. Um, the sad part as you face these things is to say, is to know that there are going to be people who love you. Yeah. Who are going to have to figure out life for themselves all over again? Yeah, and most especially that one that walked down the aisle with me fifty years ago, and yeah, who's uh, supported me in every single thing I've done all these years, and raised two great kids, and man, uh, that's a tough one. Well, I am grateful for uh, a savior, you know, who gives both of us a a great hope. Yes, he does. I I have a new pyramid. Hope is at one at the bottom, and then above that is faith, and above that is trust. Yeah, but above all those is love. <laughs> if uh, you can't receive love from someone you don't trust, wow. But if you trust someone, it's because you know they love you. Nice. And I believe I believe we need to spend a lot more time thinking about. Mm. The love of God, not the the big picture love of God, but the specific God loves Todd Fields. Yeah. Here's how I know. Yeah, and uh, that I think God. that's so powerful when we do that, and it can it, it, it that's what that's the nuclear reactor that <laughs> you know, I think can just keep it going through whatever. I love the fact that we're ending on love. Uh. You know. It's it's what he said to you years ago. He said it to me, and I think for you and I both as men following Jesus, that's what we want every listener to know. Yeah. It is a cosmic big love, but it's like that people who study microbiology, it's down to the molecular structure of everything about you that he loves and made. Right. So, well, man, thank you for taking the time to sit with us and telling your story and passing on some nuggets of wisdom. And just thank you for... Um, 
walking beside me on this journey. And there's so many worship leaders now and in the future that I think are going to benefit from cool. you just be willing to say, I'm here. Well, can I give you my 20-second uh, uh, commercial? Absolutely. Um, if anyone uh, is interested in pointing their church towards launching yes. these uh, this men's and, uh, and soon-to-be women's small group mentoring process, go to RadicalMentoring.com, mm-hmm. and there's a real clear uh, laid-out process there. It's, uh, it's free, by the way. Okay. So uh, we, there's never a screen that pops up and asks for a credit card. And then if anybody's interested in any of the books that uh, Todd mentioned earlier, um, they've put together a website called reggiecampbell.com, and you can yeah. click on on that and look at any of the books and order them. And yeah, Absolutely. Uh, all the process, profits from anything that comes there is uh, goes to support Radical Mentoring. Thank you, Reggie. Could you pray for us? Oh, pray would I? Oh, man, thank you. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Thank you for being uh, all wrapped up in worship circle. It's, you just can't separate worship circle from you. And uh, and I just I just love everything I see and hear and be able to attend summit and spend a little time and listen to the worship and mm-hmm. see the smiles on these people's faces and just hear the raw talent uh, that you've blessed uh, these men and women with. It's just amazing. Uh, Father, I pray that you would just protect every single uh, person who hears this podcast from um, the spirits of the air. And I believe those spirits in these days, Lord, I think you've shown me that they are things like fear, Mm. and they most often show up in things like um, depression and fear um, and pride and jealousy and things that that just rob our joy and take us out of the game. Mm you. So Lord, I just pray we'd stand tall and our shoulders would be straight, that we would live full of your spirit, that we would every day experience peace and love and joy. Mm -hmm. We'd exude your patience, your kindness, your gentleness, that we would be good people and we'd be full of faith and we'd have self-control, that people would be drawn to the Jesus that lives in us. Mm Remove anything from our lives that keep us from living for you, Lord. Anything that that damages or limits our influence, please remove it. Give us the courage to take that on and take it out. And Lord, just bless us. Bless our families. Bless the work of our hands. And don't let us take an ounce of credit for any of it. Remind us that it is all from you, through you, and for you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Worship Circle Podcast. As always, we want to remind you that you are loved, that you are not alone. And when you lead, when you walk with Jesus, we stand with you as an army of worship leaders that's growing around the world to bring hope to people who need hope and healing to people who need healing. We hope you join us next time. And until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Worship Circle and share this podcast and the information about it with any leader you know so that they can become part of this growing tribe of leaders on the earth.